0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: Broken records, the albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records, the music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bette, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might.
0: Hi, Ben.
1: Hi. I feel like I don't know why I'm frightened.
0: <laughs> Truly. I mean, this feels so... I mean, it's been two weeks, I think, since we've done an episode, but it really feels like longer. Feels like longer. Well, especially because of um, uh,
1: not doing... We I've gotten used to doing it, you know three times a week because we Mm -hmm. have the Tuesday, Thursday, April, August.
0: Yes, right. Another thing I've forgotten about.
1: Which we have to discuss because I'm just beside myself with confusion about how to proceed.
0: Yeah. First, I should
1: say... Hello to all our listeners, and thank you for tuning in to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World, Broadway Podcast Network, and Broadway On Demand. I'm That's Ben Rimmelauer, right. and I'm here with my lovelier-than-ever co-host, America's sweetheart, Daniel Nolan.
0: Oh, thank you. Hey, y'all. Um, lovelier-than-ever, I'm sunburned, and, but I just cut my hair myself, so I, I do have to give myself props for that. But um, Didn't I cut your hair? You yes, you did help on the back, and I very greatly appreciate that. Oh, appreciate! Um, I gotta say,
1: you. I mean, I've always um, admired many things about you, but none more than your impeccable hygiene and cleanliness. I, I love, <laughs> I love how repulsed you are by most things in the physical world, <laughs> and how you pride yourself on your your pristine, um, uh, clean, clean, purity. Um, But your hair (laughs) was so disgusting. (laughs) I mean, I did not even know hair could be that mangy and dirty. It was like an old dog that lived on the subway tracks.
0: And can you believe that I had that was like? I mean, I guess I hadn't washed it that day, but um, because I had been outside, but I had just washed it the previous night. So that's I don't
1: understand.
0: My hair is like. I don't know. It's like so thick and it's so, it gets so oily so fast, which Mm. maybe that is because I wash it every day. Maybe that's like bad for it. No, it's it's the opposite. I mean,
1: my hair is really dry and washing it strips the moisture. So washing it should actually help you be less oily.
0: Mm. Well, and maybe I, you know, I just got some new shampoo and conditioner because um, I... For a while, I was just using, like, this all-in-one, you know, shampoo, body wash type of thing. And so I was like, maybe I need to splurge for, like, uh, some luxury products. So I have a lot to say about about
1: shampoo. I think that shampoo and body wash combinations, depending on the ingredients and the brand, are not a bad idea. For example, mm-hmm. I use Dr. Bronner's Peppermint All-Purpose Hemp Soap yes, for my yes. hair and body. But what I think is a crime against nature is any kind of a shampoo conditioner combination
0: oh yes yes yeah although I don't know
1: now you break all the rules I mean with such naturally oily hair maybe you shouldn't even use conditioner at all
0: yeah but I think I mean I hadn't used conditioner in so long just because you know uh, quarantine I haven't gone out and shopped in a while but I do think it's like you know People say when you have oily face, you should still use moisturizer because that's giving your body the oils it needs so it doesn't overproduce oils. So I feel like it's the same with hair. It's like if you condition it, it's not going to go crazy and, like, overproduce natural oils because it's being conditioned by a product, you know? So I don't know. That's what I'm experimenting with. And also, my hair was so long when you saw it. So it was was literally, like... Like um the Forbidden Forest. So it's, Well actually um, the Forbidden Forest is what I call somewhere a little lower oh, that I also okay. that That's I also need about. to also need to trim. But I have to get some new clippers as you Witnessed those clippers I had been using. Yeah, for that was insane. Five years. That was I was
1: insane. It, it I can't cut even. half my
0: hair and pulled out the other half. I mean, it, it was, was like literally. in Little Shop
1: of Horrors when he's like, the dentist has like the dull drill. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's an antique.
1: It was basically like I was like trying to saw your hair off with like a butter yeah. knife.
0: Yeah, but and I then- have to say,
1: you know what? For our listeners, if anybody was worried coming back to the podcast that we were going to lay a heavy trip on them about discrimination or politics or, like, pandemic. They certainly needn't have. I mean, we are just here with the superficiality that we're Back famous on our bullshit. For. Yes. <gasps> I, have, oh. I have to say, I think I said this you already. I mean, like, I've been really looking forward to getting back to the podcast. I'm so excited that we are. Yes. But I've been really struggling about Tuesday, Thursday, April, August. Because yes. I feel like... You know, the podcast is like, okay, today we are talking, well, for example, today we are talking about An Evening with Diana Ross, her Mm -hmm. 1977 HBO TV special, based on her one woman show, An Evening with Diana Ross, that played the Palace Theater on Broadway, and venues all around the world. So, uh, you know, that may or may not be what somebody is into hearing about in these trying times, but... If they aren't into it, then they don't listen to it. And if they are into it, here it is. It's about this. It's about a thing, right. you know. But the with the live stream videos, it's like, you know, we're kind of just shooting the shit. And I'm basically like, okay, so here are some of the great artists of musical theater. Victoria Clark, Judy Kay. Let me take a dump on them with no respect for their <laughs> hard work or humanity or their achievements. And by the way, who the fuck am I, you know? And mm. like... So it's that and then it's like I have to promote it. So there I am like on social media where like other people are like raising money for like you know civil action or like you know sharing petitions or like you know as we say in Hebrew, tikkun olam, healing the world. Mm. And I'm like you guys, you guys, look at this great 30 second clip from when I took a dump all over these artists hard work from last season. You know, (laughs) and it's like I feel like I'm really, I don't know. It feels like an ugly, an ugly way to be in the world right now. And then I started thinking like, you know, it was Tuesday, Thursday, April, August, and it's not August yet, but also like, I mean, the quarantine, like New York is already in phase two, like, you know, people are going out, you know, the point was to get people through the day, Mm -hmm. but also like on the other hand. You know, I know that people have enjoyed watching it, and like you know, people in hard times still need entertainment. And like, I've had so much fun doing it. I've had so much fun doing it with you. I've really mm-hmm. looked forward to it. You
0: and too as
1: well. um, and a couple things like this week, just randomly, like I, my friend uh, Chris Tyler in LA. Do you remember him? I introduced him in P Town, but. He doesn't live in New York anymore.
0: Oh, he was uh-huh. like yeah, yeah, at the yeah. pool
1: with his boyfriend. Um, that's not interesting, but anyway, it's a fact. Um, uh-huh. And uh, anyway, Chris Tyler sent me this um, woman uh, on Instagram. She actually looks like Jennifer Aiden, the Persian woman, or the Armenian woman, rather, on Real Housewives of New York. Okay. But um, she's lip syncing to Patty's recording of "You Got Trouble" from The Music Man. Whoa. And uh, no tino shade to Patti Lapone. Uh-huh. But I got to say that, you know, I've said before that I, I love so much Patti's most recent one-woman concert act, Don't Monkey with Broadway. When mm-hmm. I saw it at um, Symphony Space, it was one of the best things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I have full confidence, you know, that I've seen her do concert-wise. Uh, I have full confidence that it's like that much of the time on her travels. But sure. the gig that she recorded in Long Island, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. she has
1: a cold. And it is mm-hmm. like she you know, through despite noble efforts on her part and all that Joan Later technique really earning its 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 value and money, she mm-hmm. uh is not in good voice comparative to the voice that she is generally in nowadays. And yeah. So it's just a lesser performance. So it breaks my heart. So I almost never listen to that double CD, Don't Monkey with Broadway. Um, And also because um, I'm a little mad that it's piano only. Like, listen, nobody Mm -hmm. understands trying to do a cabaret tour on the cheap better than I do. But I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's Patti Lapone singing like, you know, all these of her great show tunes, you know, but yeah. also all fuck her hits, you know, but she's singing, you got trouble. She's singing, uh, um, no yeah. work from working. She's singing. I'm just a girl who can't say no. And if from mm. two on the aisle, you know, and like, uh, you know, big spender and like, yeah. you got a lot of living to do. And I want brass. It's fucking Patty Lebon. Now she is. brassy. Yeah. I don't know. The truth is when I saw her at symphony space and it was piano only, I wasn't mad about it. So maybe it's just the vocal thing, but But anyway, the point is I never listened to the album and that's the only, that's the recording of You Got Trouble that this person used on Instagram, on on IGTV and of course it's the only commercial recording of Patty singing that song. Mm -hmm. And this made me appreciate that recording in a whole new light. And Mm -hmm. there's something about the way she lip syncs it and just lip syncs it and just the way her face looks. And by the way, she's sitting out I guess it's her backyard but it almost looks like she's in the jungle. It's certainly like a very like it's not mm. bad, It's like, not like a crowded suburb. It's like somewhere out, you know. It could even be like Key West or something. There's definitely like a tropical kind of feel. And she's in like a red uh, sleeveless dress with a great big slit up all the way to the thigh. Ooh. And these like, and um, combat boots. Mm. And she's sitting on like a folding lawn chair with her legs crossed. And every once in a while, her hair gets in her face, and she just—it's she captures the spirit of Patty so I mean, that beautifully. Is,
0: yeah, that is great. And that tableau—it's
1: so fucking brilliant. And I just everyone needs to watch it. I'll post the link. Yes, like,
0: I'm dying to see this. It's
1: it would be anyway. I was like, this is a Who do you think you are? If there ever was, yes, one.
0: this is yes, th- that would be perfect.
1: Her brilliance alone made me want to bring back Tuesday, Thursday, April, August.
0: Right. Well, and I think, um, what you were saying earlier, you know, it's Tuesday, April, August. So I mean, we've taken a few weeks off, but we do have like the finish line in sight, you know, it's August. So it's not like we're committing to like a whole nother season. You know, it's literally just like another month and a half or two months, depending on what how we define August. Yes. If it's the end of August, then we, we could literally end like the first week of August and call it a good day. I mean, day. technically
1: July 31st, you're pretty, it's August, you know? Right. Right. Um, although we're also not committing to not extending for another season. I That's mean, right. I mean, I have to say, I really did enjoy doing that show with you. I really, truly did.
0: Um, Me too as well. And, um, and you know, I think, and I've uh, enjoying
1: the fan interaction, which we were doing more and more of, and it just was feeling like a really alive uh, and like a really a, a unique experience in my life. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, uh, that's not I, mean, I know other people. It's not new technology, but it's not something I've really participated in until COVID nineteen. And like, yes. I I really enjoy
0: that. Well, and it definitely it it kind of um, colors and influences the rest of my week, you know, because anything I see on YouTube or any posts, any uh, clips that people post, I'm like, Oh, is this a potential? Who do you think you are? Is this a potential? Um, what's our other segment? Uh, I'll be fatty. Uh, I'll be Patty. That's I guess that's your segment, but you know, it, it's, uh, I feel like it gives me kind of incentive to be spongy and like soak up the content in a new way that I wouldn't normally just as like a, a viewer, you know, I'm like, totally. Oh, this is actually something I need to share with the viewers and with Ben. So I don't well, know. I
1: guess, I guess we've just talked ourselves into bringing it back. Yes.
0: woohoo! After, Tune after, in. after our
1: brief hiatus. Tune in Tuesday. Well, um, Oh, the other thing I wanted to tell you about um, entretonment wise, entertainment <laughs> wise, was that um, just now, just before I uh, dialed you, or whatever you know to link you or, mm. or, or accepted your link, um, <laughs> I started watching the new season of all stars of drag race all stars oh
0: yes i i yeah, I forgot completely,
1: and I have to say, I mean, I know just like my standards in um male attractiveness uh <laughs> my standards in uh entertainment are peculiar at this juncture in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, and I know a lot of people didn't love the new season of Drag Race, but I really, really, really did love it.
0: I did too, yeah.
1: But just having watched, like, the first 10 minutes of the first episode of the new season of All Stars, I am living for it. Yeah. And I am so happy to see some of these queens back. You yes, know, there's ones that I've, that I've always loved that I've just genuinely stoked to see, like Juju B,
0: Juju B, um, Yeah.
1: And then there's ones that I had sort of a little bit, maybe even written off before, like Alexis Mateo and Shea Coulee and Ms. Cracker, Mm -hmm. and they are giving me life right now. And I literally, when Ricky Martin walked on as the guest, uh, the guest judge, I literally got choked up. (laughs) Really? I was like, just like, just because, like. Seeing Ricky Martin, I mean, like, I'm not a big fan of Derek Barry's, but like, you know, Britney and Ricky were kind of the same moment in pop culture. And of Mm. course the camera cut right to Derek when Ricky walked on. Wait, is
0: Derek on this season? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I had no idea.
1: So I knew what this would mean to Derek Barry, you know? Aww. And like and I it felt like, I don't know, there have been bigger stars than Ricky Martin, I suppose, on mm-hmm. Drag Race. But it just felt big to me. I think also the fact that Ricky like came out somewhat late in his career, and this yeah. just feels like such a fully out moment in like yeah. the like yeah. modern Ricky Martin story.
0: Yes. Um so speaking of Drag Race, where in the world is RuPaul Charles? Rue is like off the grid. I I don't think he's been on social media in months. I mean, definitely since the quarantine.
1: It must be really hard to frack during a quarantine.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely around that time, the fracking gate or whatever, that he disappeared. And then you know, on the on the live stream reunion and the finale, he wasn't even in drag. And I don't know. I just, I mean, I I mean, obviously he's doing fine. You know. He has, but what you know, was that? Of... I
1: mean, like, if Patty LuPone has learned to beat her face for, like, the Hollywood junkets, really, Rue could not get a look together? and like...
0: Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, maybe he's at his ranch in Wyoming with his husband, and there's no one up there who knows how to do makeup. And you know Rue doesn't do his own makeup. So, but, you like, know.
1: it's a major television show. He just won the Emmy. Couldn't yeah. Rue have, like, fl- out.
0: I mean like Yeah, I'm not I'm not defending him, but not I'm not saying like we should all to go reason. to restaurants,
1: but like I think it's odd that that like Rue didn't make that happen.
0: Yeah, or like uh FaceTime in Raven and like have her give Rue like a brief you know like how to.
1: I did to get yes. my own hair with yes. my beautiful Ryan Jedlicka at Best Barber East Village who FaceTimed Shout me out. through my haircut. And they are reopening and I'm going in for an in-person snip.
0: Oh yes, isn't it? Okay, so Monday is phase three? No, phase two. Yeah. And that includes barber shops, Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm all about it. Wonderful. Um,
1: well, uh, so... Speaking of RuPaul, it seems like a perfect segue to dive in to our corn stream today, Miss
0: Diana Ross.
1: I mean, I'm curious to know. I mean, I would like to know your personal journey with Diana Ross as a diva. Okay.
0: Well, honestly, it's funny you, you mentioned Ru because RuPaul is the one who kind of introduced me to Diana Ross Um, you know I knew kind of of the Supremes and I kind of knew who Diana was just as like a cultural figure but RuPaul was always talking about Diana Ross on his podcast with Michelle Visage and so I started you know listening to the albums on Spotify and of course discovered The Boss which is my favorite Diana album and like you know I think that album and especially that song has kind of had a resurgence in the past few years. And so then I watched but mostly I think I due watched, to Our House on Fire Island. <laughs> yes, definitely. And then you introduced me to the funny girl, Diana Ross and the Supremes album, which I love. And then I watched Mahogany and you know just took a deep dive down her discography. And um I mean there's so much, especially the Supremes, so I have like more and more to listen to. But uh, yeah, I would just say in the past four years, five years, I really kind of have had my Diana moment and certainly watching this, uh, special, uh, Diana, an evening with Diana Ross really cemented that and made me like, want to go back and start listening to more of her albums again, because I haven't really done that in a while. But aside from the ones that are already on my, uh, summer playlists, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a star! You know, we talked a lot uh, about her with Michael Musto, but, but watching her in this special, it was really uh, apparent her star quality. You know, I think yes, that's something yes. she has. She has, you know, H- the uh, house down to the max. You know, yeah. Anyway, what about you? When did you discover Diana? Well,
1: I mean, she was really at the peak of her like stardom when I was really little. So mm-hmm. um I used to look through my parents LPs cuz you know it's the the LP generation they were such fun things for a little yeah, kid to sit on the floor so and much, look through the pictures yeah. you know so anyway but so then she, I always knew her music and you know I just remember like all those things in the 80s of like those infomercials for like you know, if it was the best of hits of the girl groups or of yeah, the 60s yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or there'd be like a special retrospective of Ed Sullivan's greatest moments. And they would always show like the Supremes, you know? And I think like, as I was like getting really just into music when I was like a tween, the, the Supremes stuff really felt, it was so familiar because that music had just been so um, ubiquitous, mm-hmm. you know, throughout my life and and it was just music that just immediately touched me in an emotional way you know yeah. songs like baby love and reflections yeah. you know mm-hmm. they they i hear a symphony they just sort of struck a chord you know and and that's partly because um they're great music and it's partly because the supremes were such a fantastic vocal group and it's partially because that Motown sound is such an
0: incredible
1: artistic achievement, you know, but it's also has a lot to do with the fact that Diana Ross has, you know, they call her the perfect pop voice.
0: Um, Yeah, totally. And it's
1: so true, you know, and it's just, you just know it's Diana Ross when you hear her. And
0: yeah, so distinct.
1: It's so distinct. And so, uh, and it's just so appealing, you know? Um, Yeah. And uh, anyway, so, I, you know, I, I love that. And and then I think I, um, but I don't think I bought any of their stuff until I was like, like uh, like a fr- summer after like my freshman year of college was when I was like kind of done with cast albums and all I wanted was like vocal albums, vocal albums, vocal mm. albums. And mm. that's when I like really did the deep dives into Bette and Barbara and Liza. Yeah. I already had Patty and Bernadette and sh- Betty Buckley and stuff because to me, their solo albums were almost more like cast albums, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but not. it bears mentioning that Bernadette's first album or the CD of her first two records, I yeah. had originally bought in high school at the same time I was buying, you know... Into the Woods and Mac and Mabel. But then mm-hmm. I would put it on. And I was like, you know, she was singing G-Wiz. And I was like, what is yeah. this country? I don't want this shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then here I was in college smoking weed and listening to Bette Midler's first two yeah, albums. And I best. put on that Bernadette CD. And it's just that like, bum, 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 there goes the guy. Except like five there times slower, you know? There goes the guy.
0: Yeah. And you every know, song on that album is a winner.
1: A winner, but each one is slower than the next.
0: Slower, and, and yeah. here
1: I was, I mean, it was, you know, the summer of 95 and I'm stoned out of my mind and I am in my first apartment and I'm alone and I've got the the Barbara records on the wall in the kitchen and, you know, yes. i have just like... Other kids might be studying or going to the library, but I'm just, like, smoking weed and got the lights on low, and I'm just Mm. chilling on my futon listening to Bernadette, you know? And it was, like, Mm -hmm. either Bernadette or it was Aretha or it was Bette or it was Annie Lennox or Katie Lang. You know, those were the – it was this mellow, mellow mood. And so, anyway, then I appreciated that. But so, around that time, I bought this CD that was, like, an import. Cause it was like not a real CD. That's like an American legal release, but it had like, mm-hmm. you know, 95 tracks on it. And it was like everything the Supremes ever recorded. Um, mm. And I got so obsessed with it. And like, I remember, um, uh, the night of my first gay pride in San Francisco, my friends, Jeff and Jake Manabat, uh, these twins who are, um, they're actually actors. Jake is, um, Jake was in Rent, and Jeff is in the Kinsey Six, the Dragapella. Um mm,
0: Yeah, he's
1: uh, he's Pixie. But um, anyway, they um, we were on my terrace, uh, drunk and stoned, and uh, putting on, and, and we kept trying on all my drag, and just like just belting along with that Supreme CD for like hours yes. and hours and hours. Uh, I don't, know if, I think it was the night before we went to our first parade. Anyway, but so I was really into Diana with that stuff, and then. Um, Years later, uh, like, I think I was, uh, oh, I was dating Scott Whitman when he was, oh, uh, when they, he, yeah. he, and, he and Mark were on a brief, he said he got, Scott got time off for bad behavior. I think that's oh, how, yeah. the, how you they described the other, it. The other yeah. lady. No, no, no. I think there were other ladies and then they were on a pause and then I was like the you know, mm, intermission.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I was the Diet yeah. Coke. but um, <laughs> But it was a very druggy time in Scott's life and in mine. And Uh um, I just remember we would be doing tons of, um, it was, it was actually MDMA, but in those Mm. days you didn't call it Molly, but this wasn't ecstasy because ecstasy technically was MDMA mixed with speed. Okay. So this, uh, what he called it was just drops and he had it in these little, um, it looked like a little tiny, like bottle you'd put in your pocket that had contact lens, you know, like eye drops, you know, but he would just take it everywhere and just put it in our drinks, you know? So I was with him like, you know, 24 seven, like rolling on MDMA. And, um, and I remember like we were in bed and he had put on, you know, I think he had like a CD changer playing a bunch of stuff and Diana singing her cover of you're all I need to get by came on. Mm hmm. And I was just like tripping balls and like, you know, we just had like probably the best sex of my life or something, you know, (laughs) And like, I was just like, so like blissed out, you know, by the way, in this like fucking fabulous loft, you know, and just, and, you know, and I'm feeling like that, you know, Mark was at the house in LA or something. I felt like I was like you know, the queen of Broadway, you know, just
0: like the Tony's on the shelf. Yeah. yes, you know? yes this is, this is, Yeah. Post just, all the wins.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, probably earlier that night, it was like Sarah, Jessica and Matthew and like, mm. um, you know, all the Broadway people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, Angie Schwer and, and Rochelle rack and uh, Brooks Ashkmanskis and Jerry McIntyre, just this, you know, I just felt like this, like I was in it, you know? Oh, and I yeah. had just done the, um, Leslie Critzer's Patty Lapon at Les Mouches. Mm-hmm,
0: so mm-hmm. I felt
1: like a star. I was, you know, I was just yeah. living. And I just was so blissed out. And this um this recording came on, and there's like this, I don't know if it's a triangle or a bell, but like, you know, every, I don't know, eighth beat or something, I think it's a triangle. There's just this simple like ding. And it's just like um, you're all ding I need to get by I uh, ding mm. and like that metronome of that ding and Diana's like you know I mean if Barbara's voice is butter Diana's voice is silk you know yeah um, yeah yeah and it I don't know if I've ever like lived a song so like intensely, you know? Mm. And so then, and I was just going on and on and on and on about it. So then like, you know, on our next date, Scott had bought me, um, her greatest hits, oh, uh, but it didn't have that song. Mm. Um, but I mean, it had the boss and it had, you yeah. know, mountain high enough and it had, yeah. um, uh, uh, touch me in the morning, touch me in the morning, my, my karaoke number, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. everything, uh, <laughs> reach out and touch and, And it had, um, so, but I wanted that song. So then I also bought her first solo album, Post Supremes, um, which is where she sings that song. And, um, uh, so then that between those two CDs, the greatest hits and her first self-titled solo album, I just got really, 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 really into her. So that was like 2007 and then 2006, 2007. And then, but only like the last couple of years of like streaming, have I got, and even just since the last time I saw you, like, I feel like every time I go to Fire Island, I'm looking for more music in that seventies vibe. That just is my chill.
0: Yeah, And,
1: and, you know, it's funny when you said there's just so much material with the Supremes because I think there's even more with her solo shit. Like Mm -hmm, I couldn't mm -hmm. believe it's like, seems like every time I think I have all Diana's 1970s solo albums, yeah. I go on Apple Music and there's another one I somehow missed, you
0: know. Well, and also all of her collaborations with other artists, like Yeah, with the
1: Marvin album is yeah, classic. Yeah, Marvin
0: Gaye, yeah. So, um,
1: um, you know, anyway, that so now I'm like, you know, just kind of more more into her than ever and 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 I oh, I left out saying I did grow up watching the movie of the Wiz. Um, yes, yes. Although to be honest,
0: don't like it. I didn't
1: I, well, I loved the movie as a kid. I actually did love the movie. I mean, you know, to me that was the Whiz. It's like
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I get now what's wrong with the movie, although I do think a lot is right with it. For example, yeah. I think the idea if you're going to do the story of the Wizard of Oz with this like intensely Motown style score, yeah, setting it in like 1970s Harlem is like a really incredible way to do yes, it. Yes,
0: like totally. When
1: I actually did see The Wiz um, when I was little on stage, but um, the the physical production, I think we saw it at a dinner theater in Westchester. The physical mm-hmm. production didn't, you know, leave that much of a lasting. I was like three or something. You know, I don't remember so much except about the physical production except that um, my grandma in her living room, Grandma Harriet, had um, an ottoman that was on wheels, Ooh, I love that. And the Munchkins were adults and it looked to me like the contraptions they were on were ottomans on wheels. Mm. So I re- I would always play the Wiz at my grandma's house and like pretend Aww. to be the Munchkin on the thing. But um anyway, but I but I but growing up loving the movie of the Wiz because it was my it was the Wiz that I, you know, would watch. I didn't um I didn't really care for Diana in it. And, um, like, I knew the whole score so well, except Home, which is so crazy. Fascinating, Because it's like, the, like, number one song. song, You know, um, and of course, I mean, Stephanie Mills on the cast album in my adult life, I would say, you know, for me, Stephanie Mills in The Wiz is up there with Patty and Evita and, um, you know,
0: uh,
1: Andrea McArdle and, you know, just one of those, like, just the sound of her voice yeah, you know
0: yeah
1: um anyway but uh but not Diana but but I didn't hate Diana I just didn't she reminded me of my mom's friend Linda Gross who had that same hairstyle <laughs> she just like didn't, <laughs> yeah, that, she didn't didn't feel to me like Dorothy you know yeah um, yeah, yeah but uh but I appreciate it now so uh, anyway I'm so psyched to dive into this
0: yes this as you 1977
1: were TV special yes. like we said played on Broadway at the Palace, by the way, with a very Broadway um, uh, team. It was directed by by Joe Layton, who directed kind of like all those shows. Like, I'm pretty sure he directed at least one of Bette Midler's Mm -hmm. uh, shows at the time on Broadway. And like, he directed, um, I think, Shirley MacLaine's one woman show. Oh, I still Mm. have that uh, T-shirt for you. Um, Oh, yeah. And a stolen off Liza Minnelli's back.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, but um, anyway. And then of course, music arranged and conducted by Billy Goldenberg, who is known right? as... Um, well, he wrote the musical Ballroom, but I know him from B. Arthur's One Woman Show. Yes. As her um, music director accompanist.
1: And then isn't he even better known... To the general public, like didn't he work on the Carol Burnett show?
0: Maybe I mean there, I was looking him up. There's he has a ton of other like uh, credits, yeah, uh, like like uh, writing for, for stars. But yeah, um, the B one was the one that I latched onto.
1: Well, um, I kind of blame him for the parts of this show that I don't love. Um, <laughs> but the parts of the show that I do love, that I give credit to anyone other than Miss Ross, is Bruce Valanche.
0: Um, another, another Broadway, Broadway man. Yeah. I love him. He wrote all the banter and stuff. Or at least some of it, you know, it's like, it's just a bunch of names, but. You know, um, speaking of RuPaul, there's a good episode of Ru and Michelle's podcast with Bruce. And he talks a lot about mm -hmm. working with Diana and, you know, he's in the movie of Mahogany. He has like a scene in that movie.
1: I think he did a pass on that script too.
0: Mm, That makes sense.
1: You know, I've actually never seen Mahogany, which is insane.
0: Um. I mean, the, that movie is insane. I, I watched it for the first time a few years ago, and it's so crazy. She's we really should, great in it, though. We should
1: definitely have Bruce on the pod, mm-hmm. and um, actually, it would be a fun thing to have our uh, Tuesday, Thursday, April, August viewers vote on. Would be what of Bruce Valanche's work should we have him on the pod to corn? Yes,
0: yes, yes. <laughs> Let's see. He did. He works. I mean, I, I mean, is he still like writing Bets' tweets? Is that who's no, like Ju- tweeting? Judy for her?
1: Gold writes Bet's tweets. Oh Which once wow. you know that, it's like, it, of course it, she does. It makes so
0: much sense. It makes so, so much sense. sense. They're all caps, I mean, it makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For some um,
1: reason when Judy Gold does it, I don't mind it. But when Bet does it, it bugs me a little. Although I'm very pro-bet right now, I know. But
0: but I um I mean, but yeah. I, I, I summertime is always a good bet time for me because I listen I to her so her. much. But yeah. I can't quit her. But you know, oof, it was touch and go for a minute there.
1: Speaking <laughs> of, um, did you see Dublin Zotropes in story today?
0: Yes, and I'm still trying to think of an answer. <laughs> me, no, no. But did you see the one about that? The one with with the politi- with Ben Platt and Bet and Judith. Yeah. No, but did you see the what
1: the person had, ri- had written? You know, because it was a question like, who wrong answers only?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I saw all of them. Yeah. I
1: got to find it. It was
0: really funny. Wrong
1: answers only. It was right. The politician, Bet and Judith and Ben Platt.
0: My favorite and- answer that I saw was uh, Tommy, Angelica, and Chucky from Rugrats, all grown up, because that would make Bet Chucky.
1: <laughs> um, this was, this person wrote, Catherine Hellmond, comma a self-made actor and a woman who wasn't all in for Mike Bloomberg. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Rugrats joke is your generation, but do you
0: get Catherine Hellman? Yes. I know who Catherine Hellman is. Yeah. I mean like from who's the boss with Judith. Yeah. Yeah. Judith is um, yeah. And, and uh, Ben is, yeah, that's funny. This is like the, um,
1: I'm going to tell my children version of that question.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to
1: tell my kids that this is Catherine Hellman, a self-made actor. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <gasps> um, but so, diving in. Yes. Um, An evening with Diana Ross. I'm so um, mad about the quality. This is another one. And I'm especially going to be vocal about bitching about this now because I would like to believe part of the reason that, if not the entire reason, that... Um, Liza uh, New Orleans is now available on Prime.
0: Yes. Oh my God! Right because after we, did we it.
1: bitched about it. So, yeah. I mean, the truth is, it might have even been before because I just didn't even look because I just didn't think it ever would have been.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I think I think someone I I saw people tweeting about it after our thing. So well, but of course, maybe that was you know we inspired them as well. I'm so. Curious. However. I think this Diana one, I mean, it's so deceiving because the thumbnail they use for the preview is like this really high quality picture of the uh, Dance tin Looks 3 number. And so yeah. you think it's going to be really high quality and then you click on it and it's just like, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's it's someone filming their TV screen because every now and then you can see like the camera shift and it's like,
1: oh. and
0: it's not the camera that's filming her. It's the camera that's filming like the frame.
1: Oh, how funny. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Oh, but, but on my TV, it was so big and so yeah. fuzzy that like, so fuzzy. I, I really only know it's Diana Ross by the audio, <laughs> like by the audio. It could have been that, that same woman from uh, Puerto Rico. It actually, honestly, yes. it could have been a white lady. It could have been, It could have been just a palm tree. Bruce (laughs) Serious. I mean, I just have no way of saying for sure. Honestly, I think it would have been better if I watched it on my phone. But it just pisses me off. This was an HBO production. Yeah. But I will say, I have to believe um, that Diana's shit is together. um, And, like, so if she wants, could put it out. Like... I
0: don't know. Yeah. Like I mean, Liza,
1: you just know that Liza's like just, you know, a mess. But like I mean, I know Diana's had her moments, but I think generally speaking, I imagine that yeah, Diana's, I mean, like, Diana's been together just,
0: just toured last year. Yeah. And um it's funny you said that thing about the expensive tickets because I tried to get a ticket to see her at Radio City last year and I mean hundreds. The cheapest one was like four hundred dollars.
1: Yeah. I mean, I tried to
0: get comps, and
1: they t- they turned me down. No, no, no. But I'm really mad that I didn't go. I should have, I mean, I yeah. guess I just didn't have the money, but anyway. But I think
0: she'll come back. I mean, like I said to you last week, I think my dream would be to see her at, like, the Ice Palace in I Jerry know. Grove. Yes, please. God. Anyway, um, but, so this is 77, which is really that sweet spot of yes, late 70s music performers that we live for. Um, okay,
1: Um, so starting with this little, like, um, pre-filmed thing, I was like, who are these children? What is happening? I mean, I love the overture. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I, you have to give it to her that it is less egotistical than My Name is Barbara.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, at least it's like other people. (laughs) Like, right, right. (laughs) <laughs> well, and I have to say the tone throughout the whole evening is, I mean, Diana Ross is so gorgeous. She's like the most beautiful diva ever, but she's so self-deprecating and, and she makes fun of her looks all the time. And it's so interesting to me because I'm like, y- you, it, you Real, I mean, Barbara, she can kind of pull it off because we're all like, yeah, I mean, she is a little f- funny looking, but uh, Diana, I just don't buy it, you know, because she's obviously like a model. Yeah.
1: But it's also like, I mean, I've always, I have bought it. I mean, obviously she's the most beautiful. I mean, that whole, that breathtaking sequence in the Dreamgirls movie, like about, what is it? When I first saw you, is that the song that he sings to Dina? Um, mm, I don't know. And it's just like this beautiful photography of Beyonce just in all the different, like, uh costumes from Dina's film career and like photo spreads from her modeling career. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's just like one after another of her, just like the most exquisite photos, but it's literally a rip off of this moment in Diana Ross's career. Mm, I mean, mm-hmm. so obviously like she is the model to like end all models, yeah. but like, I also, I buy into the narrative of her sto- her origin story of being like just a little girl with skinny legs you know
0: just like oh yeah well that you know like
1: just like playing jump rope on the corner like i you know so i believe that that's how she I, i i you know i believe her i buy into the mythology she's she's told you know yes 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 um and you know don't we all um uh we were talking about this in writing group today how like you know we all are people talk about inner child as if it's like your inner child is like the part of you that like is playful and like wants to like you know have fun yeah you know but we we're talking about like the inner child is also like the part that's like wounded and like yeah, fragile, like you know yeah, and like has safety. these feelings you know um and i was talking about i love that uh allison fraser thing uh where she's like on i forget what song it is on new york romance where she's like explore my battered ego and my shattered id introduce me to my long-lost inner kid. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I feel that Diana Ross, especially in the 70s with all the, like, self-help and yeah. s est and, like, you know, all that shit, I feel like for sure she was doing a lot of inner kid work by 77. Yeah, um, definitely. But, okay, then you're going to love this. I don't know if you came across this factoid, but the actual opening number that she walks out singing, um... I Wouldn't Change a Thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know who wrote that? No. Okay, you're going to die. Um, I found this out because later in the show, she sings that song that I have been obsessed with um, for the last two summers. Um, that's, uh, uh... Motherfucker. Now I can't remember it. It's a song I'm fucking obsessed with. Um, God damn it. oh. Uh, uh.
0: See, I what have... album is it on? Oh, God. <laughs>
1: um, it's, uh, I always thought it was like a Supreme song, but it's not. It's a Dana Ross song, but it, it almost has like a, I mean, it almost sounds like the very, very late period psychedelic Supremes. It's, um, wait, I was so close a second ago. Hold on. Um,
0: not, is it Love Hangover?
1: No, 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 no. Not that late. It's, um, like, don't say anything. Don't, don't speak. Okay. Um, uh, It's, God damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, just talk amongst yourselves. You. Um, um, well. No, so- no, no, no. <laughs> don't, don't, don't talk. This is just going to have to be edited out. You're gonna, <clears throat> this is going to be worth it. You're going to love what I'm going to tell you so much. Um, oh, I know, where, I know where I can find it easily. Hold on. Um, first, first album. Here we go. I can't believe, I, I'm literally obsessed with this song. I can't believe I, I couldn't remember it. It's, um, um, these things will keep me loving you. Hmm. Wait, I don't remember this. It's, it's, no, I, I'm pretty sure she sings it later in this concert, but maybe not. Maybe that's why I couldn't find it here. But, um, but she sings it and it's constantly on the Fire Island playlist. Mm. These things will keep me loving you. Um, I've been so into that once. I was downhearted. These things will keep me loving you. Um, Anyway, Mm. I'm obsessed with this song. So I looked it up and it's by Johnny Bristol. Mm -hmm. So now I've gotten obsessed with Johnny Bristol just this week. But Johnny Bristol wrote this song right here um, that she opens with, um, I Wouldn't Change a Thing, If I Had to Do My Life All Over Again. And do you know what he also is known for writing? What? Hang on in there, baby.
0: Ah, I knew you were going to say that. I knew (laughs) it was going to be something off Thighs and Whispers. That is fabulous. I mean, it makes sense, that that late 70s uh, songwriting.
1: And I've been listening to this Johnny Bristol album um, all week. And I think I'm ready to say this. He is going to be the first and possibly only man... That I'm gonna add to the Thighs and Superman Fire Island playlist. Uh,
0: wait, it's like it's like his solo album. Like he's he had singing? many solo
1: albums. Like some of these songs, he even had as a hit. Him, Hang on in there, baby. He actually had a hit wow. with before. Um, he's a great singer. He's fa-
0: he's fabulous. I never I never heard of him. Was I never like had a, either. Was he like what, what kind of genre? I mean, obviously Motown like era.
1: He was a Motown songwriter, and he wrote a bunch of stuff. Um, some really big things for Motown. Uh, mm, mm, mm. artists, and then around the early 70s is when he branched out and had a solo career. Mm, gotcha. Um, and then Ooh, some of the fabulous. stuff some of the stuff from his solo career then got covered by some of those same or different artists afterwards, like Diana and Bette, etc. Wow, okay, I'm writing him down, because I'm definitely going to give that a deep
0: dive. Yeah, you're going to love him. He's fabulous. Um, anyway, I thought you'd be so happy to know that. That's like my, yeah, Hang On In There Baby by Bette Midler. It's like my favorite my favorite song of the summer to listen to. For I sure. have
1: to say, and I, I don't expect you to agree with this, but I like Johnny Bristol's original Hang On in There Baby better mm, than Betts. Mm, and I like Betts a lot. But the Bet, it's like I used to not like that album. And then mm-hmm. I started to love that album, but I still didn't love that song. And now I love that song, but I like Johnny's version better.
0: Mm, okay. I'm definitely. And I think there's
1: somebody else that had a hit with it. A bigger hit than he did. And of course the bet version was a flop. Um mm-hmm. but I I now I haven't listened to the person that actually had the big hit with the song, but I need to. Um anyway. Um but yeah. Oh love that's it.
0: such a good factoid.
1: Yes. I mean, I feel like he is just like the he encapsulates that moment in that sound so well. Yeah. You know. I'm
0: okay, I'm I'm looking him up right now. Johnny Bristol.
1: It's because it's like it's a little bit um like Motown
0: mm-hmm.
1: 70s kind of soul. But it also has like a very um like, showbiz kind of brass to it.
0: Yeah. mm -hmm. But
1: it also has a sort of, like, Laurel Canyon kind of hippie vibe, too. Mm -hmm. It's, like, really, like, a fusion of those three things. And I feel like so much of his stuff fits that.
0: That Venn diagram. His his most famous solo recording, Hang On In There, Baby. Um, So, anyway... Um, Then she does that song,
1: In My Lifetime, um, which I wrote it down,
0: but I actually had no notes on it. Yes. Yeah. One love My Lifetime, which I love. Um, And then we go into- (laughs) Insanity. (laughs) The show tune section.
1: (laughs) Which, in fairness, this is not the order. This is much shorter and way out
0: of order from what the actual
1: live show, well, at least what the live show on Broadway was. Um, yeah. Well, no, and because the album is, um, I believe, recorded not on Broadway, and the album is long and in a very different order. Yeah, very different. But, short. I mean, I love that she has special material for the music in the mirror. Yeah, but she has special material for a but little But it goes much. south. Like, <laughs> at a certain point, she's just showing off that, like, Billy Golden... I guess Billy Goldenberg is bragging that he knows the song titles from A Chorus Line yeah literally everyone <laughs> and um like it reminds me of like um uh uh there's, <laughs> i don't know why but like there's this amazing forbidden broadway i think maybe my favorite forbidden broadway number ever is from forbidden broadway um strikes back i think it's called it's like the one from like 97 Cute. And it's the one with the Patty Lapone masterclass thing and the Elaine Stritch zip and yeah. um, anyway, and rent and everything. And it, it has um it's supposed to be Barry and Fran Weisler, the you know schlocky stunt casting producers of Chicago. But this mm-hmm. is before Chicago or Chicago had just opened, they weren't even really talking about. It. They were known at that time for other schlocky revivals with stunt casting, notably Grease, which at the time that Rosie O'Donnell starred in, that Tommy Toon oh, production. Wow. Of, well, they called it the Tommy Toon production, but it was directed by Jeff Calhoun. But anyway, that production of Grease ran for years and years, and it had a inc- uh, different stunt casting as it kept going. So anyway, it's an infomercial. This is the concept of this forbidden Broadway number. It's an infomercial of Barry and Fran Weisler. And by the way, it's great impressions of them. Hello, <laughs> friends. This is Barry and Fran Weisler. Are you an out-of-work TV recording movie or print artist? Like, <laughs> so they're trying to offer like C-list celebrities a role in Greece, and they're like, and and like, there's one point when he's like, "But Fran, I can't act, I can't sing, I can't dance," and she's like, "No problem, Barry." And like, <laughs> so it's this infomercial, and the song they said they're like, "You are the one that we want, oh oh oh, honey, the one that we want." It's so fucking funny. Anyway, but so, um, they, uh, (laughs) this is so long winded, but they're like, I'm at the end of it, but they're like, we're the, we're the Tony, we're we're the, we're the Broadway producing team that brought you such classy hits as the Tony Quinn Zorba, the Richard (laughs) Chamberlain My Fair Lady. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's the so smash funny. hit revival of Greece at the Eugene O'Neill Theater. Anyway, so <laughs> oh, and then the, she goes, "Classy theater, classy show." <laughs> I mean, that's funny. I literally, I could do the whole thing. Anyway, it just reminded me of that when she's literally like, um, you know, all I ever needed was dance ten, looks three,
0: and nothing, and what I yeah. did <laughs> for love. And it's like, it, yeah, and she 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 calls back to what I did for love, like, several times. It's not like she wraps it up and goes back to the first song. It's like, she sings what I did for love, and then there's a whole new section, and then she closes with what I did for love again. For
1: no reason. And I wrote, please say she's going to sing one.
0: Yeah, I mean, that totally. But she didn't. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> How nope. do you do a schlock?
1: She even made a joke about it. I think it's before the song even started where she's like, she has that gold sparkly thing on. She's like, chorus line ain't got nothing on me. And like, yeah. I was like, was the chorus line that huge yeah. in pop I mean, culture? Yeah, definitely makes that me they had? like... That I was like, you know what? Because it's on Broadway. I mean, the video yeah. wasn't filmed on Broadway. It was the tour. But like, it'd be kind of like if you opened a Broadway show the same season as Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Like you would have to like... You, you know, if if you were if you were doing if Martin Short did a one man show the same season as Hamilton, he would make jokes about Hamilton. You know, yeah. So yeah. like, I, I guess a chorus line was that.
0: Um, but although, so it was- then it's like she has this chorus line section, but then you know she goes back to her like regular Diana material, and then when she goes into the acting section, like an hour later, she then starts singing. Other songs from Course Line, nothing, Danced in Looks 3. So it's, it's so no, crazy. There's no rhyme or reason There's at no all rhyme or reason. It's so bizarre. The I, mean, of the material.
1: <laughs> I think I think I have I think that's this weird editing of how they conceive Maybe, the yeah, TV show. True. But you know, anyway. Um but okay, then I wrote down this line that she says, because she is an extended um section of film clips of the Supremes. Yes, yes. Now, she sang those songs live in the theater. So this is just like a choice they made for the broadcast, mm-hmm. um, which I don't love. Um, but the first thing I want to say is before we even get into that, um, she says, I was always known as the girl in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this, I could write a dissertation about this because mm. it really, it's like this question, right? Is she an ensemble member throwing shade at her cohorts? Or is she a big star, self-deprecatingly recalling her humble beginnings?
0: So, like, saying, like, the middle could mean, like, the front man, like, the star, but it could also mean, like, the poor middle child who doesn't get No, 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 attention. no, 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 no. It's definitely the star. But the, it's like, is she, um,
1: it's like, I was always the girl in the middle is almost like a humble brag,
0: right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Because she she says, I was always known as the girl in the middle. And clearly, like, a big thing for her is, like, wanting to not be the girl in the middle, wanting to be fucking Diana Ross, you know? Mm, mm. So, like, she definitely means that, like, I was definitely better than those two girls. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to be the Shirelles, the Shangri-Las. Yeah, I
0: want to be I want to be
1: a fucking... I want to be, you know, Barbara Streisand, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And,
1: um... And indeed now she literally is Barbara Streisand, you know? Yeah. But yeah. so, you know, if she's, you know, if she was at a dinner with Barbara and Olivia newton John and Donna Summer for like great pop stars of the seventies, you know, and they were sitting at the dinner table, Diana could say, I was always known as the girl in the middle. It would be like Barbara being like, I was always like the Jewish one who couldn't dance, you know. Like, I don't know why I did Barbara like Harvey Firestein, but whatever. You know? <laughs> I
0: wasn't mad. But like you know, what my I'm saying? stepfather it's like, always told me I was ugly.
1: We're all just these like fucking huge, super, super, superstars, and like we're talking about like our humble beginnings as like what we yeah. were before we were this. But if you are, you know, Florence Ballard or Mary Wilson, it's a little bit like uh, rude, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah.
1: And I feel like that's such the, um, you see, that's just what it is when somebody breaks out of the unit. I mean, in a way, it's kind of like the Beyonce thing coming out of Destiny's Child. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's, yeah, very Um,
1: good. And the other thing I wrote down around this section was um, the Supreme, oh, this once they started like the video, the video stuff.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was
1: like, the Supremes were not a girl group. They were the girl group. Mm. do you know it's like a like,
0: template from which everything else came
1: well I don't know if they actually were the template because they weren't the first you know um mm-hmm. but I but it's just you know part you could say it's because of their talent you could say it's by luck you could say it's because Diana was screwing Barry Gordy you could yeah, say it was because of Diana's star quality you know but the fact is their impact yeah it so much bigger you know that mm-hmm. they, you know, and so it's weird because in one, I realized watching, I was getting annoyed with this montage of this footage yeah, because it, because it was like, you kept seeing them sing the same songs again and again in different dresses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what I realized was this is not a montage of the Supreme's recording art career as recording artist. This is a montage of the Supreme's career in pop culture and on television. So mm, yeah. the point they show them on
0: like Ed Sullivan yeah. and all those Yeah. So the shows. point
1: wasn't here are all the songs they had hits with. The point was here's all the times they did a television special. Here's all the times that they were on Ed Sullivan. Here's all the times they were on the Tonight Show. Here's look look at all the different dresses they were this they sang the same song on on Ed Sullivan. That's how big they were that they kept coming that they, they were ubiquitous, you know. Yeah. And so I get that point, but it would be much more fun to watch them sing more of their hits than the same fucking song in four different dresses, you know?
0: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, I just do, I have to say, like, if there's any star that you're going to lean into the just sheer goddamn glamorous stardom, it should be Diana Ross. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know that breaks Barbara Streisand's heart, but it ain't her. You know, mm-hmm. like no matter how many turbans she wears, <laughs> no matter how many photos she takes from the left side of her face, yes, yes. <laughs> it's always going to be Diana. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, and, yeah, yeah. And when you talk about star, you know, later stars. I mean, obviously Lady Gaga, but even someone like Beyonce there's still something of it being a commentary with
0: Beyonce, you know? Well, and Beyonce, yeah, she doesn't have that, you know, they talk about like Elizabeth Taylor on film. I think Diana Ross has that same quality where it's like her, something happens with her her face when she's on screen and her voice. And it creates almost like an energetic, it's like something otherworldly that somehow like passes through the screen and like, yeah, uh, transcends time and space yeah. and like envelops your whole being and your whole body I mean um, it's like she radiates just warmth and joy and charisma and beauty and yeah. Yeah. the whole package whether it's totally. you know her giant beautiful pearly smile those big eyes her beautiful silky voice the big you know uh, hair it's I mean the whole presence all of her and the, the generosity and the graciousness with which she uh, interacts with the audience, holding herself like a true star, but also just like the queen mother, like kissing babies and shaking hands, you know? Totally.
1: She's also a little bit of a throwback to another era. Like, it's funny you talk about Elizabeth Taylor because, Mm -hmm. you know, Diana's it's almost like watching like a star from MGM or something you know yes it's like, like that mm-hmm. she she has that like old timey movie star you know i mean cuz i think beyonce is incredibly charismatic on screen um and and has crazy star quality but like but but diana you know it like when you watch her in like lady sings the blues it feels like it could be from that era um and yeah. actually funny mm-hmm. enough <laughs> I feel like some of her posture in this concert reminded me of Judy.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. I can see it. Yeah, and I mean, partly just because kind of... she's so damn skinny, you know, and those dresses she wears with like the yeah. big shoulders and like kind it's of straight down.
1: Some of the hairstyles, even too, it's like, it's like the way that they like tried to like you know sort of like like whitewash Diana for like a mainstream audience in the sixties. And then, you know, in terms of the Supreme stuff. And then the way they tried to, like, make Judy hip. Some there yeah. There's, like, a, there's like mm-hmm. a crossover there where crossover, they have the yeah. same hair and dress, you know?
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Uh, anyway. Um, oh, the, other, the one thing I did like about seeing all these clips of the Supremes was that knowing all the, like, studio album versions of these songs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You might not re- recognize that, unlike recording stars of today, the Supremes were a touring act. I mean, mm. they made their living all through the 60s, like on the road. On the you road, know? yeah. And so it was fun to see the live endings of these songs because, like, they really had great voices, you know? Yeah. So the mm-hmm. songs on in the studio had these, like, great, you know, Motown, like, pop fade-outs and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. But they yeah. were also possible of, like, just doing, like, a big money note, you know? Mm. So it was kind of fun to see that in some of these, like, Ed Sullivan TV special clips and stuff. Um, and, I mean, it's worth any medley of them. Uh, even if you heard just fucking, like you know, what's that terrible song of theirs that I hate the beach ball or whatever, you know, or you're the composer, like, you know, any of their, like, mm. you know, D sides would be worth it for an hour. If you get to hear someday we'll be together because that is such a fucking great song.
0: Yes. I think my favorite is the happening. Really? I love, for some reason that just really does it for me. That's so weird. Yeah. Um,
1: I so I really love someday we'll be together. Um, and uh, although then when she started talking and she said the word memories, mm-hmm. I got so scared. Uh-oh. <laughs> I really thought she was going to sing the way we
0: were. Oh shit! Yeah, I mean that would that would make sense. Wait, I thought well, that was yeah coming. that would have that would have totally scanned and that time I was too. so ready for it. But
1: she didn't. Instead, she did this weird, like. Did, wait, did she even sing this, or was this just instrumental? There was like an all strings, like symphonic sounding
0: "Baby Love." Yeah, she did sing that. She sang like she sang it over the montage. I video thought it montage. was. Um,
1: I thought it was Andrew Lloyd Webber. Speaking of memories, like I, it was so crazy. I thought it was like da da da, da, da. P-a, yeah, like P A. Uh, yeah, it was like baby I-
0: love. My- like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: that one no no no. that's what is that that's lit, uh music of the night right
0: no i'm singing paesu, but it's uh what's it it's like going down like it
1: was very that's the part mm. that i kept hearing in the like Baby love, I need you, I need you. Da 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 Yeah, da Yeah, 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 take my heart and leave me sad. Don't throw our love away. I'm so in love with you. I don't know, whatever. He he stole it from them, but um, but it really sounded like that to me with this weird symphonic arrangement. Oh, and then she sings the fucking What I Did for Love
0: again. Yeah, which again, like that kind of gave me this. um, I mean, this uh, it kind of seemed like the fact that she then closed this video Supremes montage with What I Did for Love. It kind of seemed a little uh, shady to like her time with the Supremes. It was almost like, see, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was like, well, I did that for love. So, but you know, we all have made mistakes, you know, it's, it's kind of like, she's not really, you know, honoring that as like a really creative and monumental time. She's kind of like, well, oh, I'm ready to move on, but I'm acknowledging this as like part of my past because I have to, but it wasn't really with like reverence. Yeah. Well, you know, the truth is it was not far behind her. Well, and now I guess seeing it with, you know, from today's vantage point where Diana's such a star and like her own uh, person, uh, performer and, and movie star and nominated for all these awards. It's hard to understand the, you know, where she's coming from in the context of uh, the 70s and, and the, being with the Supremes. But I guess at that time, like, you know, she probably was really it was a risky career move trying to go out and, and branch out without um those other two girls.
1: Right. Well, but I mean, I think she, it was a risky, but also, um, you know, they had a lot of unhappy times together. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean the dream girl stuff is really based on a lot on their actual experiences. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the shit that was going on in the road. I mean, you know, it started off with Florence Ballard and Mary Wilson, but then Florence was out and Cindy mm-hmm. Birdsong was in. I mean, you know, now it's like a joke because the Supremes, you know, there's even a group that tours as the Supremes singing the hits to this very day. And so, you know, you can look at, like, a list. I mean, there have been as many Supremes as there have been, like, you know, uh, you know, alphabas or whatever, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But more, more. But, like... Um, But at the time, it's striking that even Diana in the 70s, when she mentions them by name, has to say not just Florence Ballard and Mary Wilson, but Florence Ballard, Mary Wilson and Cindy Birdsong.
0: Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm.
1: that's how unharmonious it was that, you know, Diana wasn't even the first to go, you know?
0: Yeah. And then she
1: still was in there. They were on the road. The road was grueling. They didn't have a lot of creative freedom. They probably didn't have very favorable financial deals as artists, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you know, and then she went solo. And then she had a very roller coaster, rocky relationship with Barry Gordy, which I believe by seventy seven was over.
0: Um, yes, that's you know, that's and, true.
1: and this is the era of her. You know, I can't cover up my feelings in the name of love. It's my turn to see what I can see. I mean, it's basically that song they wrote for Beyonce and Dreamgirls. Um, yeah, listen, you know, and like, and here she was, like exploring all these new avenues, and you know. This time's just for me. You know, yeah. it's like so I think that it was Yeah, is it exactly. It's my house. Ha- By the way, listening to all these records she recorded in those years um a lot of the B-sides, you know, and I'm very familiar with the song, It's My House, because you always sing about it. You always talk about yeah. it. But there's all these other songs. I keep thinking, oh, this is It's My House, but it's not. There's just a lot of songs on the same theme. Like, this yeah, is my... Yeah,
0: I Ain't Been Licked.
1: Yeah, this is my space. I want to share it with you. Like, there's yeah. so much, you know, she clearly was doing a lot of self-work. And yeah. so I think that as a huge star and as a person who had come out of this success, but also adversity in the success this was a hard-won independence and a hard-won success she was having now. So I think maybe it's not completely shady because I think it's partly about you know, her own personal struggles, not necessarily like yeah. the obscurity of those losers,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. And it's funny you bring up the, the Barry Gordy relationship because I just listened, well, like a few months ago, I finally listened to that uh, Dolly Parton's America podcast, mm. which, you know, I love Dolly so much, so I was eating it up. But Dolly's relationship with Porter Wagner is so so similar to the dynamic that was going on with Diana and Barry Gordy, you know, he like made her a star. Um, but with that also came this sense of kind of control. And then Dolly, you know, eventually wanted to break out of that and go on her own. And that's when she wrote, I will always love you, which was mm. kind of her goodbye song to him. And, mm. and, you know, some of the stories she tells on the podcast are so, you know, devastating hearing the way she was treated as a woman in the business back in the day by this kind of, you know, big time TV star who was also kind of a misogynist. Uh, and she had to do the same thing as Diana and, and really...
1: Only worse. I mean, as a Black woman, it had to have been, you know, I mean, certainly in the in the South, in the 60s, you know, I mean, they mm-hmm. were going to places that were segregated. I mean you know yeah. um anyway so you know there's a lot and, and by the way the other girls had a hard time in the Supremes too it's, I, it's you know so it's not completely shade but um but it definitely is like well I'm a solo act now you
0: know yeah very um right. and that's so, and that is the that is the theme of this show is really yeah like here I am you know it's and with the don't want to skip ahead, but at the end with all the other divas who are kind of passing the torch. Yes. To yes. Her, yes. I mean,
1: so, okay. Anyway. Uh, but in this section, some, I mean, I know it's the seventies and stuff, but like, I think I appreciate Patti LuPone at Les Mouches a little more now because when mm-hmm. David Lewis wrote that monologue for Patti about um, this was our place, nobody could see in our parents didn't know where we were going, where we went. And mm. this was our place. And we used to sit on the floor and prick our fingers and mix our blood and we become blood brothers and blood sisters. Blood sisters. You know, and it's so weird. It's like so David. Weird. It's David Lewis making a comment on the shit that Diana's talking about here, where she mm-hmm. talks about this like childlike stuff. Um and uh and just when I was like, God, this is too much, I can't handle this writing, there she has this moment here, um, when she said, Oh, she's talking about we would play hide and go seek, you know? Yeah. And then she says, but we called it hide and go get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she yeah, cracks yeah.
1: herself up when she says that. And the way she relaxes in that moment, yeah, I mm-hmm. cracked open. My heart just fell to pieces for her. Like yeah. it's like this most stilted, horrible, like 1970s, touchy-feely, free-to-be you and me dialogue about we would play hide and seek. But when she, it really feels off the cuff. Maybe she said it every night, but she does an excellent job of portraying it as off the cuff. Yeah, it
0: does feel very off the cuff.
1: I I actually called it Hide and Go Get It. And it, audiences, and it's just, by the way, props to the director of this TV show because I don't know if I've ever seen, you know, such excellent
0: use of audience footage. Yes. Yes. They cut. Yeah, totally. They cut to these audience members and they're just like completely just wrapped up in every word wrapped she's saying. Wrapped up,
1: wrapped up. I mean, they, they, and it's like, you know, you want to sort of go to these cliches of like, you know, that, you know, like, um, a black audience being like, you know, amen sister or whatever, you know, you go girl. Um, mm. You know, or like white people like clapping off the beat or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, yeah. you expect it to sort of be like a joke, but it really isn't. They literally all look like they're on ecstasy. Every single yeah. time the audience, they cut to the audience. And by the way, it's a huge audience. Of course it's sold out. And it's, it's not like they're using stock footage. It's different every single time. And you see them. They just are like, they're, they're just, they, it looks like they're each making one in one eye contact with her.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's truly like, she is this, um, uh, sa- not saint, but she's like this, this, uh, f- this almost like a religious yeah. uh, figure. And, and they're like, you know, here to commune with that spirit or whatever. And, and she's like giving them something she's b- giving them her blessing. She, you know, it's like they're, they're having this, um, they're worshiping her, you know, it's, it's like being in church and, and uh, I don't know, it's like the invitation, you know, growing up in a Baptist church, I have a lot of experience with this, um, type of, you know, altar call when you come to the front at the end, when to, you know, make a decision or make a profession or faith or whatever yeah. you call it. And I never felt that growing up in church so much as I did, like, the first time I you know, heard, heard Barbara Streisand or the first time I watched Judy Garland in Wizard yeah. of Oz or whatever. But it's that same type of like, I need to do something with this. Like yeah. she's it's putting also out like, almost like a call to action. When you talk about to, somebody like...
1: like Barbara, you know, for example, like, or Bet, like it's not, you know, I mean, in a way you get it with any diva when they do like their hit, you know, mm-hmm. but but it's more than that because it's like with Diana or with a Barbara or with somebody that had these pop hits, you know, um, these songs, when they say, when they call to memory something like a baby love, you know, or, um, uh, you know, I, in, Diana really in a way more than even Barbara or Bette, because the, I guess with Barbara and Bette today, it would be like if they sang um, the rose or uh, the way we were, you know, but like, it's like when the artist has a pop hit, not necessarily a thing from a show or a movie but a pop hit something that was like the music of the time of the moment mm. in the world that's that's what i think also takes it into another level of that religious religiosity because it's like yeah. that that makes it feels like they've they've been the they've been there it, throughout your life yeah. in this consistent mm-hmm. way you know it's like it's like you know you don't know what ha- to your high school boyfriend. You know, your grandma's dead, but the music that you listen to with them is still here, and the person that sang it is singing it to you now, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And 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 music very much like you know, God or praying to a higher power. It's like that's something that you turn to in times of need, and it's completely non-judgmental. It's a it's a it's a source you can go to. To comfort or to, uh, you know, to try to learn from or or to feel something. Well, and because it gets to you, it gets to you on not
1: just literal ways, you know. I mean, that's why little children, you know, and certainly adults, but, you know, a little kid that doesn't have language skills yet, when they hear music, it, it can affect them, you know? And because we experience it on these other levels besides just being like, oh, this song is about baby love, I need you, you know? Um, And so when an artist is somebody that you've associated with that for years and you feel that you've grown up with them and you've watched them through their struggles and their successes and you've watched them have children, you know, as you've lived your life in the same time, you know, when Mm -hmm. you were, you remember, you know, Diana Ross was a star when j f k was shot when Martin Luther King jr. was shot you know it's like that you know we'll feel a certain way someday about the artist that impacted us during this quarantine
0: you know, yes, very true, and I mean it's a touchdown, you know, even like we you and I were listening to um Lady Gaga the other day, and we were listening to her first several albums mm, mm-hmm. and i haven't listened to I haven't listened to those albums in so many years, but like it totally and I love Lady Gaga, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not like her, like a super fan. But those albums transported me back to when she was, you know, all anyone could talk about. And, you know, the fame and then the fame monster. And then she had all those crazy music videos. And then she did Telephone with Beyonce. And then yeah. Born This Way was like a huge hit. And the, hearing those songs, like you're saying, these times in our, and not only my life, but our collective consciousness as a culture and as, you know, for me it was when I came out in college and that coincided with Gaga's message of inclusivity and diversity and I think you know and now, you know, I, when we were talking also about all the all the people we'd want to see perform at the Ice Palace and we said Gaga and Diana and so seeing you know that and and having that context not only on a huge worldwide Uh, cultural level but on a personal level is like really 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 magical and and transcendent it's like it's 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 not just feeling good because you're hearing a song it's like actually really personal even though millions of other people are loving the same song and the same artist these things will
1: keep me loving you Mm. um and anyway then she has to ruin the moment by singing home Although, <laughs> Although at least this time there's an actual little girl to be Dorothy and she's just singing it. But I do, I do love this song. I love the song I so love, much. Love, love. I love it so much when Stephanie Mills sings it.
0: Um, mm. And, um, or Whitney Houston, you know? Yes. Oh um, my God. That Whitney doing it. Was that, that's the first song Whitney sang on TV, right?
1: Um, It's the first appearance uh, but I think she sang two songs and I
0: don't think it was technically mm. the first. If you want the reason, maybe it was not the first, but her first appearance. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um Love, love Anyway love. uh she sings home and this is with the video of um the kids in the neighborhood, and then it's it turns into like a dance break. I have to say this is a first for me. I fucking love this ballet. Yeah, me too. I loved it too. I
1: I loved this ballet. And then I yeah, was like It is a ballet, yeah. She I didn't can even think really like that. dance. Yeah. And, um, I'm like, did she do this live on Broadway,
0: on Broadway? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I assume, or, or, or did they just, I mean, did they play the videos on, on the stage? I mean. Or did she had just have other people come on and dance live? That'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Um, well, we could watch it at Lincoln center. No, maybe not.
1: Um, we can find out though. I wish I was still in touch with that Diana Queen from college. Um, Maybe Michael Musto would know. Yes, um, I uh, loved her going out into the audience when she's like, "Am I too fat to fit through here?"
0: Oh, I love that. Oh, but before I want before she does that. Uh, so the second time she goes back into what I did for love after home. Yeah. Um, even though I was like, "Oh, this again," she. The way she belts out, the, out that final phrase, I was like, oh, she's really belting. Like, yeah. this is, we don't think of Diana Ross as, like, a belter, no, no, but, no, like. She's a
1: phenomenal she voice. She really phenomenal. is.
0: Totally. hundred um, percent. So then, yeah. So then that's kind of the end of, like, the, what does Patty say? This is the the beginning of the theater <laughs> section. Yeah, exactly. So that's the end of the theater section. Um, so then I have
1: to say also just in terms of like all that stuff with the audience and like the belting, like mm-hmm. she is the perfect pop voice. And like, she is just like, you know, one of the greatest, uh, recording stars there ever has been, mm-hmm. but you do watch her in this and you go, there's a whole other gift she has for live performance.
0: Yes. That, like, yes.
1: Like, I really feel that as a Diana Ross fan, not having seen her live, I am missing out.
0: I know. I really regret not seeing her at City Center a few years ago. Yeah. Tickets were like $40. Um, So, yeah. So, then she starts making her way through the crowd like a goddamn star. Literally, people are kissing her hands. She's, She's giving the mic to kids to... Uh, seeing uh, reach out and uh, touch somebody's hand. Love, 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 love. And as she's doing this, the whole inner, like the crowd work, the live performance chops her connection to the audience. It really clicked with me. I was like, Oh wait, is Diana Ross? Like, I mean, even though this would have had to have been years ago, like is she like my number one choice for the meme we should have had?
1: Well, you're the one that has seen Mahogany.
0: Yeah, I mean I just think like not only does she have the voice and the star quality but like can you imagine how she would wear those clothes? Yes, oh my god.
1: Okay, if Diana is name, who is
0: your dream Vera? Oh. I mean, I kind of want to say Barbara just because I, I <laughs> have her on the brain, but Disgusting. you know Barbara would never have gone for
1: Disgusting.
0: that. Disgusting. Um I don't know. I mean, I feel like it would have to be... Um, I want it to be, a, like, a star from, like, that same era, but, like... Well, it's not Jerry Herman, but we do get some more show tunes
1: when they go into, like, a weirdly brassy version of in the Clowns with a uh, fucking yeah.
0: mime. <laughs> yeah, the mime came on, and I literally, like, said, said to myself, I was like, uh-oh, are we about to get in the Clowns? And then, sure enough, it happened. <laughs> I have
1: to say, it is an epic fail on James Lapine's part,
0: Oh no! At- sorry, you know who I want is Vera. I just thought of it. Who? Grace Jones. I mean, that's severe. I want it severe.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's like I feel like B. Arthur was doing a Grace Jones impression.
0: <laughs> anyway, that reminded me because I I've been really into the Grace Jones "Sin" in the Clowns uh, cover lately. Yes, yes, love it.
1: Um, Well, anyway, uh, it's an epic fail on James Lapine's part that when they did uh, Six by Sondheim and you know that HBO special?
0: Yeah, yeah. So good. By the
1: way, HBO. So they have the footage and they Mm -hmm. did that crazy medley of like, they were like all the people that have ever sung Send in the Clowns.
0: Oh, yeah. And like, and like not in the same key. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it's like ridiculous. They have Krusty the Clown and like a, <laughs> po- a, a pointless Bernadette clip from the '80s. Like, yeah, it's, it's such really a crime crazy. that they didn't have Diana belting it with brassy arrangement and a mime. Like, yeah, how did yeah. this that not make That's just bad research? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I also said it's actually impressive. Like, the, it's impressive that she can do this kind of like clean pop singing live. Yeah. Like, in a way, it's almost more impressive than the belting. Because, like, belting is, like, what do you do? You fill up your lungs and you sing for the gods, you know? mm -hmm. But like, But, like, to do that, like, I mean, that careful, delicate, like, phrasing and, like, song styling.
0: Some of it I did wonder if it was dubbed because there were a few moments where I was like, oh, like, her mouth, there's something off like I her think mouth was the moving broadcast. I, yeah maybe I, that was like a, like a delay no, if diana
1: didn't sing live on broadway in 77 she would have been dragged for it there's no No, i mean i'm sure she
0: sang live on broadway but like in the tv broadcast i'm wondering if yeah. they like needed some better audio on certain parts so they like you know interspersed maybe? live singing with i don't know i mean there were just a few parts i was like is there her mouth is moving to a different set of words than what i'm hearing but maybe that was Um, like a delay in the and then what is
1: she singing then when the audience starts dancing with her was it the boss no it was um it was one of her big 70s hits oh love hangover yeah yes and i was like are those planted dancers or just no i was wondering that too just like random gay guys in the
0: audience yeah like they all came up on stage and i was like I mean, obviously, it was somewhat planned because she wasn't, like, calling for security. But, like, that seems really scary if if those were just, like, random audience people coming up on stage to dance.
1: (laughs) But that's what I mean. Like, it's not like these stars nowadays. I mean, like, Diana was, like, on the fucking road for years, you know? Like, I do not think she's scared of anyone that, like, bought a ticket,
0: you know? I mean, it reminds me of, like, a couple years ago whenever Celine was singing in Vegas and, like, some rando just, like, hopped up on stage and was, like... Just trying to sing with Celine Dion, and like Celine kind of went with it. But then, like after that, she like canceled two of her two of her concert dates. That's
1: and I difference. think it was
0: bec- because she was like so like traumatized. <laughs> um, Speaking of traumatized, this yeah. special version of Tits and Ass. <laughs> it, well, for, yeah, we go into the acting section where she. This talks is about what I hate
1: about variety shows. <laughs> now, this is literally exactly the kind of thing that made variety shows die. Yeah, like this is so awful.
0: Well, and it's and it's not. It makes no sense because they they kind of winkingly uh, censor all the mention of tits and ass. So, like, if you don't know the song and you're watching this at home, you have no idea. Like,
1: well, definitely, it seems clear for this entire production that they are all under the impression that everyone knows a chorus line.
0: Yeah, it's like I mean, I guess maybe like at that time with you know, the lack of, um, uh, just, you know, everyone was buying vinyl records and, you know, buying show tunes was probably much more common in the average household. But, but not like, really,
1: not in the seventies. It's so extent. weird.
0: I mean, this really is like Diana Ross sings the core, sings a chorus line plus a few Diana Ross hits. Seriously. Um, so then, so a few, a few more chorus line, nothing and dancing looks three. And then she goes into the Lady Sings the Blues section where she sings a ton of uh, songs from that. And, I mean, I love that movie
1: and I love her singing those songs, but I don't think I appreciated her singing those songs as much as I did here when she sings God Bless the Child. Mm, I mean, it's, it's part of, like, the magic and, like, weird, like, alchemy of Diana Ross. Like, she has this way of singing a sad song, but, like, almost happily.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
1: Like it's like very like like benevolent,
0: benevolent. Yeah,
1: you know her energy is just so. it's yes. not only warm. It's it's actually like, it's happy. It's 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 cheering.
0: It's she, it's it's yeah. She has a, jo- a, a radiant joy about yes, her. Yeah, radiant.
1: Exactly. It's like no matter what the material is, she wants you to feel happy.
0: Yeah, and that's what I've heard her concerts are like too, which is why I'm dying to see her because. Um, she knows what her audience wants. She knows the songs to sing. Um, and I, I heard, I heard Tracy Ellis Ross interviewed once and she said, I mean, it's kind of like when they were all on that Macy's day float a few years ago, Tracy said that like her and all her family go to see, you know, Diana grandma in concert and they're all dancing. They all know the songs, you know? So like, that's how she is just, I feel like in real life too, with her fan. I Um, love it. So then this is Oh my god. <laughs> um, this we get to like oh we take a real left turn and suddenly, suddenly the audience disappears and there's only three people in the audience and it is Diana Ross in f- playing each of these divas in full old age extreme makeup playing An almost uh, full characterization. Yeah, I mean I was like should she have won like an award for this. Like, her acting is wonderful.
1: I, I will say my first note was, oh my God, who are these actresses?
0: Yeah, I was like, I want each of them to play. Like, I want to cast them all in, like, a production of, you know... Uh, follies. Picnic. Um, yeah, but Follies. Like,
1: but, but but, I don't know if it was her acting or just the bad video quality.
0: Well, I mean, maybe it was in the bad video uh, helped, you know, uh, make the makeup look more realistic, but I... It took, I mean, obviously, I knew she was playing Josephine Baker because she just had makeup on, regular makeup. But then the other two, I was like, oh, wait, those are Diana, too, Bessie Smith and Ethel Waters. Yeah. But she does, like, a completely different uh, – you can't tell it's Diana's voice. I mean, she definitely takes on a whole new vocal inflection for them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I would, I just thought it was fabulous. I mean, I was like, <laughs> totally. Diana should have – like, some people should have written her, like, She should have been in, like, a biopic of, like, a... Of each of them. Of each of them, yeah. Of completely different type than the type she is. Totally. Um,
1: I mean, Josephine Baker wasn't that much of a stretch to imagine, but, like, the fact that she was so good as, like, Ethel Waters and stuff, it's, like, that's
0: not what you
1: think is... That's not what you expect from her, you know? So maybe the answer is to star opposite Diana as Mame in the Diana Ross movie version of Mame, the only choice for Vera is Diana.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Diana plays all of them. And
1: Diana is Gooch. (laughs) Um, I think she could do it. (laughs) And then she starts talking about, like, from this, like, silly material, it goes into, like, really serious stuff about, like, the civil rights movement and the Mm -hmm. struggles of the previous generations. And I was just like, you have to hand it to the 1970s. Yeah. Because, like it doesn't matter how ridiculous one thing they're doing is, they will just dive headfirst into something that's real.
0: Mm, mm.
1: Like, I feel like nowadays you would never have those two, like, slammed up against each other like that.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, and there's that, um, there's that bit that in, in this section that I love, and it's basically kind of, sh- she's talking about taking, you know the energy of of these uh divas these artists that came before her and and using that you know it's like they're passing the torch to her and she's carrying on their legacy while also creating her own and and starting her own journey and that i don't know that was very inspiring totally for very much. much. And, and then she um, sings and <laughs> then she goes right into singing the theme from mahogany which god you know what say what you will I was right there with her. Same. I mean, this song is especially out of context. This song is so beautiful, and like I listen to this song all. It's on my Lady Belts and Ballads playlist because it's Lady um, and Ballads, It just make it just makes me like our fucking feel good.
1: podcast should be called Lady Belts and Ballads.
0: Well, maybe we can do a rebrand. <laughs> Time for it. Um, but I mean when you think about it in the context of Mahogany it's it's ridiculous cuz that movie so I've crazy. never seen
1: it I don't even know the context.
0: It's really great. I mean there's like I mean she's so good but it's it's uh it's so culty and campy now but there's like a scene at the end where like uh I forget who who plays opposite her but Isn't it Billy like, D. Williams? Yeah 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 and and he's trying to like crash this car and she's, like, in the passenger seat, and she's trying to stop him from crashing the car, and it's, it's like, so extreme and, like, overacty but, you know. That sounds like a scene from the main event. It's very, very the main event. It's, like, her main event, but worse. How, worse than the main event? Yes. I mean, at least the main event is... I mean, this is true, like, t- camp trash. I mean, now, it, you know, people uh, worship it, because it's... it's um, one of those movies that's so terrible that it almost takes on a whole new wonderful quality. But I mean, the main event is just like bad writing, bad everything. It's, it's, uh, but it doesn't have any kind of redeeming trash, uh, quality to it. So, it's just so this, bad. so
1: Mahogany's better than the main event in 2020.
0: Ma- ma- mahogany. Yes, it is better and more enjoyable to watch because it's so crazy and extreme. I mean, the main event, I feel like actually back in the day, people thought it could be good. I think Mahogany Ooh, came out and everyone like like, well, Barbara.
1: <laughs> Barbara is not people, despite Barbara. how many times she tries to tell you she No, is. no,
0: we're all just people.
1: Speaking of the introduction, I have to say that this, I love that this is the crazy long intro to the theme for Mahogany. yeah. Like, it's almost like she's not going to sing it. Like, cause I feel like on the album and stuff, it's very like, do you know? And here it's like the whole tune plays out instrumentally. (laughs) Like, it's like the bridge has already played before she even comes in with, do you know?
0: I mean, this is, I guess this is like her, the way we were, you know, as far as the song in her, in her, um, canon goes.
1: Or is it her, is it her evergreen?
0: Or maybe her evergreen, yeah. Although it feels a little more like um, the way we were, just like um, that time, and and the the fact that it's played like at the beginning of the movie.
1: And you're right because it's very theme from Mahogany, theme from The Way We Were, and um, it's like the theme from Ice Castles. It's,
0: it's yeah, yeah. It's that. very
1: like you can hear it like played like. Like like um, in an elevator without vocals, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Or like on a music box, it's like so <laughs> yeah. Bad.
0: Or like an ice cream truck, a thousand percent. I I, told, I to- that. I've told you this so many times, but there is an ice cream truck that rolls through my neighborhood every now and then playing "Sin in the Clowns," and it's like obviously you know it's like the the ice cream truck is like decorated with like clown spots or whatever, but it's literally a Sondheim song playing. And on like the ice cream truck.
1: when you buy your fudgesicle, <laughs> Steven uh-huh. Sondheim gets
0: paid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then she she closes with the big hit, ain't not high enough. Yes, she does. People go crazy, Um, and then it closes with another video of Diana and the children, those fucking kids, and then the credits roll, and. Um, yeah, uh, Billy Goldenberg, music direction, and then uh, I can't read my own writing. Norman Campbell directed, and then conceived by Joe Layton, as we said. Wow! Wow! Okay, I'm loving it. I was, you know, every time we start recording, I'm like, "Well, this was an hour and ten minute concert, so I'm sh- this one will be a little shorter for the listeners." But nope, no, 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 no. We're giving you a full hour for you. Yeah, maybe, but it's good um, because I feel like I, I feel like this one I needed to to really settle into and ramp up because you know I, I've just been in such like a uh, mellow, like not talking to anyone place, so this was good. Yeah, totally. All righty, well, anything else to say? I guess now we're doing Tuesday, Thursday again, so tune into that. Please do. Um, do we know anything about? our next episode that we need to promote or no? We do not. Okay, cool. Well, stay tuned. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, uh, it was good talking to you, Benji. Good talking
1: to you, Daniel. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ben Rimelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. (laughs) And be sure to check out our new twice-weekly live stream video chat, Tuesday, Thursday, April, August.
0: Available on the Broadway World Facebook page and the Broadway Podcast Network YouTube channel, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10.30 a.m. This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken
1: Records theme, Song. Follow us both Ben Remmelauer and Daniel Nolan on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Remelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R.
0: And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Because Nolan with an A is an ass. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to the Quiet Part Out Loud.